Man, you guys have a seat. Hey, if you're with us for the first time today, hey, we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, we want to get to know you and, and walk alongside of this journey of life with you and uh, just encourage you along the way. Today we're picking up uh, in John 8, uh, picking up in verse 12, uh, and we're continuing our way. Uh, we're in, our, in part two of our John series titled The Road to the Cross, and this series, or this part two of, of John, uh, is, is going to be... Uh, through chapter 12, and then we're going to skip a section. There's a major teaching, uh, and then we're going to look at the cross and then jump back to it uh, after, after Easter, um, just looking at the Last Supper there after this summer. And so I'm excited about this journey to the cross, the road to the cross that we're looking at uh, in John. But for today, I want you to imagine with me, okay, uh, we're looking at a flower bed. <laughs> That's where we're okay. I want you guys to have use your imaginations. We're looking at a flower bed, but this flower bed is full of weeds. Okay, there's beautiful flowers in this flower bed, but there are also many, many weeds. And the weeds uh, that's kind of like our passage today. And the weeds that we have in our passage that we're going to need to kind of pull out come from the Pharisees. <laughs> so we're, we're we're interacting with the Pharisees again. We've got another interaction with Jesus uh, and the Pharisees, and we're looking at this overgrown garden. And so we're going to have to do some labor here on the front end to figure out uh, how we could get to these flowers that Jesus has. Because y'all, we have a great text today. Jesus has something beautiful to show us, but there's some confusion going on with the Pharisees. And so we got to do some labor and pull out, pull out these weeds. And so we're going to go ahead and jump straight into John 12. We're going to spend five minutes or so going through these first several verses. Um, and then we're going to come back and show the flower and really see what God has for us here. Okay, look at verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Okay, so I want to I point out a few things here so we can try to get our bearings on what's going on. You know, we read verse 12 last week, at the end of last week, but uh, we didn't look at it in relationship to the Pharisees because if you remember, the Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus. They're frustrated with Jesus and they think everybody, he's leading everybody astray uh, with what he's teaching. And Jesus in verse 12, he comes in, he says, he's the light of the world. And those who follow him will walk in darkness, or who walk in the light, but those who don't will be in the dark. And just like we saw back in John 5, earlier, uh, back in the fall, uh, with Jesus and the Pharisees, both Jesus and the Pharisees, uh, they know according to the Mosaic law that a person needs to have at least two witnesses to have a legitimate testimony. Okay, so, so follow me here. The Pharisees here are saying Jesus is testifying about himself, the, thus concluding they think Jesus is a liar. So these are kind of the weeds in our garden. The Pharisees are still attacking Jesus here. And I want, us to, I want to remind you that back in chapter 7, everybody was trying to figure out who Jesus was and where he came from. But back in chapter 7, Jesus didn't answer any, really any of their questions. But here in chapter 8, he's answering the question that they asked back in chapter 7, where did you come from? But it was after they brought it up. Uh, that he was testifying about himself without a witness, kind of confusing the whole thing. And again, all of this uh, may seem confusing because, again, the Pharisees, they're confused. Let's read verse 14 again because Jesus is answering two questions here with one statement. Okay, Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I 
came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. And look what he says in verse 15 as he addresses the need for more witnesses. Uh, He says, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So we see that Jesus here is reiterating again a lot of what we saw back in chapter 5, commenting on Jesus' relationship to God, seeing how God is the judge. And then we saw him address the Pharisees' most recent question of him needing two witnesses, which we we saw uh, Jesus answer and defend back in chapter 5. Again, there's a lot of uh, details and weeds that the Pharisees are bringing up that are really kind of crowding our garden uh, that Jesus has already addressed. Jesus understands that, yes, he does need two witnesses. And he says his father is his witness, which we know is God. Uh, But the Pharisees, they didn't understand that. And the Pharisees are bringing up this witness issue uh, while Jesus is talking about something totally different. Uh, They're like talking past each other. Uh, Maybe this has happened to you. Or maybe someone asks you a question. Uh, You answer the direct question, but also maybe give a second uh, deeper answer. Uh, like when your wife, maybe, maybe she asks you, if you, like a, if, she li- if you like a pair of pants, and you say, of course, you're beautiful. She hears the yes to the pants, but she wanted to know, you wanted her to know that she's beautiful, and she totally missed that part, uh, and that's kind of what's happening here. Jesus is answering their question, but telling them something deeper, but the Pharisees, they're completely missing it, because look at verse 19 and 20. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. Uh, If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, uh, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So Jesus said uh, in verse, back in verse 18, he said his father sent him, which we know again is God. Uh, But the Pharisees, they didn't get it, and they say, Okay, well, where is your father? And he's like, you don't know me and you don't know my father, saying these people who think they know God, the Pharisees, they think they know God, but they really don't. And look what Jesus says next in verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. (laughs) Jesus here, he's getting straight to the point. He says he is going somewhere, but these Pharisees, uh, they will die in their sins. Uh, He's saying they're seeking after God because they're missing Jesus, who is God. They won't be able to go where he's going, and they're going to die in their sins. I mean, how encouraging, right? But y'all, they're all, everyone, the, the, the Pharisees, they're clearly confused. Look what he says next. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. You know, this whole encounter is kind of funny. Because the Pharisees, they're clueless. We just read in verse 25, they just said, who are you? Like they don't know who he is. And he's been telling them all along, uh, they don't get it and they're confused. And in their confusion, the weeds in this uh, garden are a little out of hand uh, and they can't see the flowers. And they're asking questions and Jesus is answering their questions, but they're not picking up what Jesus is putting down. They're totally uh, missing what Jesus is trying to tell them. Just like in verse 12, they're in the dark. They don't understand. They're missing everything because they don't believe that Jesus is truly God. 
The Pharisees study God's law, and God as a man is right in front of them, but they're blinded to it because they're in the dark and they don't believe. They didn't believe Jesus was God, and therefore they didn't understand what he was saying. They're missing the beautiful flower that Jesus has in this garden. And the only way we can understand what Jesus said is that if we see it through the lens of Jesus being God. And the father he's referring to is not an earthly person, but God. And maybe you're wondering, okay, great. Okay, I know we just talked through that passage and they're talking past each other, uh, but I don't see the flower. Maybe wondering, like, why is all of this so important and what's the point of all that? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Because yes, if we follow the Pharisees, if we follow their questions and their comments, this whole thing can seem kind of confusing, like a bed full of weeds. But if we pay attention to what Jesus is saying, the things he's trying to show the Pharisees, the flowers that are there, these truths that Jesus brings up for us today, these are extremely hope-filled and powerful. Because in all of what we just read and in the rest of our passage, we'll see that Jesus is talking about the hope of heaven. (laughs) Maybe you're like, wait a second. I I, I didn't see that. Where did this come from? Uh, And I'll get to that. Uh, And I'll show you, because in all of what we just read, Jesus was showing us where he came from and how he uh, came from heaven. And not only that, but also why he came. And then we'll also see how this truth affects us today. And for us today, one of the greatest hopes that we have as followers of Christ is our hope for another world. It's our hope for heaven. Every Christian has hope today for a better future. We're all tears and pain and sorrow and fears and anxiety and grief and tragedy and loss will be no more. It is promised. It's guaranteed. And that future guarantee, it spurs us on and it exhorts us today. And so let me just kind of go back through that, show you guys a few things real quick. Verse 14, we'll notice that Jesus said, For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. Jesus is saying he had a starting place and a final destination. And in verse 16 and verse 18, Jesus said God the Father sent him here, showing us he came with a mission and a purpose. And in verse 21, Jesus says, I'm going away. Where I'm going, you cannot come, showing the exclusivity of the place he's going, showing the exclusivity of heaven. But then in verse 23, we see it again, but more direct. Look what it says. He said to them, you are from below, I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. So in all of what we just read, when Jesus is conversing with the Pharisees, Jesus said, and the Pharisees missed, that he came from one place and is going to another. That God the Father sent him to earth And that Jesus is not of this earth, but no, Jesus is from heaven above. Jesus has been telling them that he was sent from God. He came from heaven to earth and was sent with a purpose that we now know was a divine rescue mission. And so with all of this said, leads us to our main idea. Okay, Jesus passed through earth to rescue us for heaven. That's the direction we're going today. The flower, that's the flower I want us to look at with the rest of our time. We see that Jesus came down to earth on a rescue mission so that his children could join him in heaven. 
And so as we continue to walk through this passage, we'll see that we too, we were made to live for another world. That's when, uh, that, that when we live for another world, it affects us today. It affects how we live today. We were designed and created with the purpose and intent to be with God. And our forever home, it's not here. Our forever home is in heaven with God. And so before we jump into this idea of living for another world, I want to pause here okay, for a moment uh, in our text because I know that generally speaking, this idea of living for another world, for some, it may just sound strange. But it's, a co- it's common. This is a common theme throughout the Bible. Hebrews 13, 14 says, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. And just as a fun fact, uh, this is where the name of our church came from. We live as followers of Christ for the new city that is to come. Uh, we don't live for this world, we live for the next one. So whenever you hear the name new city, uh, the hope is that we'd be reminded of our eternal home in heaven. That's our home. Like We're citizens of heaven, not here. Peter in 1 Peter uh, brings up this idea often showing how we're strangers and aliens, we're exiles and sojourners. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, how this earth is a temporary home, but our forever home uh, is in heaven. And while we're here, we're ambassadors for Christ, representing Jesus on this earth. And maybe when you think of this idea of, of living for another world, maybe it can seem strange. Because of maybe how Hollywood thrives off of a similar thought, but in a, maybe a more twisted or strange way. Like maybe you think of E.T., of some sort of alien movie. Or maybe you think of something like The Matrix or some sort of uh, ghost or, or strange spirits or something like Star Wars or th- something with this idea of living for another world. It just seems strange or a little weird. While at the same time, using the same thought process, I think it's fair to say, just based off of Hollywood alone, that generally speaking, most people kind of hope and think often of other worlds. Because if we know anything about our culture, we think that uh, we, we know that this other world thinking, historically speaking, it just sells movie tickets. <laughs> uh, like according to Will Smith, his memoir, The Trifecta for Movies, uh, are aliens, special effects, and love. Like if you have those three things, you have a better chance of selling more movie tickets. That was kind of his way of thinking about it. Why? Because our culture loves those three things. They wonder, we wonder about these things. And not only other world thinking, but generally speaking from a spiritual side, everybody at some point asks the question, where did we come from and what will happen when we die? Every single one of my kids have asked this question. I've asked both of those questions. Because these are questions that every human by nature asks and thinks about. And today, Jesus addresses it. But he first talks about it in regards to himself, seeing where he came from and where he is now. And for us here today who follow Jesus, this is massively important because the reality of heaven, as we'll see, it's not just some far-off abstract concept. No, if heaven is real and what Jesus says in this text is true, our lives today, they can't be the same. Like a twisted uh, and wrong version of Christianity believes that Jesus is only some sort of fire insurance and and like and only a ticket to heaven, but yet nothing changes about the their life after they come to Jesus, kind of holding that ticket. Nothing changes. Well, today we're going to see what happens to people who have that ticket to heaven because it does in fact change us. 
And what we need to grasp and understand that I think we can agree on is that knowing our future destination, like no, when we know our future destination, it changes our next step. Like we're knowing where we're going, generally speaking, um, like knowing, knowing why we're here, it totally alters the rest of our life. I mean, just think about this as an example. How silly would it be if I told you I wanted to get my car, there was an emergency, uh, and I need to go to New York City as quickly as possible for an emergency situation. I need to, like, from here, from Tampa, I need to go up to New York City and go. But yet, I get on I-75, and I started going south because I wanted to check out the beaches in Miami, you know, just kind of see what those are all about, uh, going in the complete wrong direction. Now, if I did that, you either call me a fool or a liar. Like, if... if if I go down to Miami and I say there's an emergency situation up in New York, uh, maybe it wasn't really an emergency. Again, when we know our purpose and mission and final destination, it changes our next step today. And if our next step isn't in line with our final destination, mission, or purpose, we've gotten off track. And so today, in many ways, for us to remember where we're going and look to our final destination for those who follow Jesus and remembering why we're here on earth, and ask ourselves, are we on track or have we taken a wrong turn somewhere? And so with all that said, I want to go back through this again. I'll go back through those first few verses we've already read. And highlight just a few of them uh, with this idea of heaven and our final destination in mind. And as we go back through this, we'll have three quick points uh, in the second half of our time that show why Jesus came to earth. But also what happens for those when we follow Jesus and we have that ticket to heaven. We'll see those Three things as we go. I'll give you those three ideas kind of progressively as we go. Let's look at verse 14 again to, start our, uh, to see our first, our first point. Jesus said, For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. So Jesus said, I know where I came from and he knows where he's going, which for us that's good, no- good news um, because if we're following Jesus, the God knows where he's going. Jesus knows his origin. He knows his final destination. But not only that, Jesus knows that the cross is coming. He sees it. And that the cross, is where he, the cross is where he's going. But even past the cross, he knows that the cross is our pathway to where he'll be forever. Because the scriptures tell us that Jesus' final destination is seated next to God in heaven. But Jesus knows that the cross is the necessary end and essential part of his journey back to heaven. And it's also necessary and essential for us. Jesus didn't come from heaven to then turn around and go right back. No, Jesus came from heaven with the cross in view. He came with a mission and a purpose. Jesus came down from heaven to rescue you and me and the rest of the world from sin and darkness. He came to bring us hope and healing. And in verse 23, Jesus points out and he further emphasizes that he's not of this world. No, he's from above. Jesus is from heaven. And in this moment with the Pharisees, he knows he was sent by God for this task. Because he said, his, he said it twice so far. That God sent him here. Jesus knows he has a mission and a purpose. And he knows that you and me and all, of his, all, and all his people are part of that mission and purpose. And his mission and purpose, his rescue mission, it comes with a bloody cross. Because look at verse 24. Jesus said, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus, again, he's getting straight to the point here. 
These religious Pharisees who think they're the religious elite, he says, they will die in their sins. Y'all, this is the bad news of the gospel. This is bad news. Every person on this planet is on a path to die in their sins. And as we saw in this text, they will be faced with God, their judge, who cannot let people who are in their sin into a place that is without sin. Because if God let people in heaven where, he, where God is in their sin, then heaven would no longer be without sin. And Jesus knows that these Pharisees have sin and will die still in their sin. And this wasn't just for the Pharisees then, but for everybody on the planet, including you and me. Because as we know, every person on the planet will die. And every person on the planet has sin. And if people die in their sin... The place that awaits those who die in their sin is hell. Which means those who have sin, this earth, as we know it right now, is the closest they will ever get to heaven. That's alarming. Y'all, this is really bad news. But listen, there is good news because there is an exception here. Look back at verse 24 again. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he. Y'all, that unless is huge. That unless is powerful. It is our hope. The only way we don't die in our sin is that if we believe that Jesus is God. We believe that Jesus is the I am that he has talked about. What we see in the Old Testament, that we believe that he is the creator God that is powerful and personal. And believe that he can save us from our sins. Going to the cross. Which leads us to our first point. Number one, Jesus came to save his people from their sin. Just like we said earlier, Jesus left heaven to come down to earth with one purpose. And it was to be born, live a sinless life, die on the cross, and to then be raised back to life and go, go back to heaven so that you and me would also have a way back to heaven. Just like we need a ticket to get into a theme park or a bus or a train ride, you know, we also, yes, we also need a ticket to heaven. And our ticket to heaven is believing in Jesus. The first evidence that we are on the right track, going in the right direction, is that we actually have the ticket to heaven, believing that Jesus is God, and that by believing in Jesus, we're forgiven of our sin, which is incredibly hopeful. Because if we have faith and believe, and we have a ticket to heaven, that means that we are right now on our journey to heaven. And this earth is the closest that we will ever get to hell. If we have the ticket, if we have the right ticket, that's really good news. We're journeying towards heaven and we're not journeying towards hell. Yo, I love a good road trip, okay? I love to explore. I love to travel, uh, just listening to books and podcasts, music playlists, getting into good conversations. I love the hustle and bustle of airports and international travel the trains, buses, taxis, scooters, rickshaws. It's just like a big adventure, okay? I love it. And when you travel, there are several things that are very important. And one of the most important things when you travel, other than, other than your passport, that's pretty essential, is making sure you have the right ticket for the right destination. Like if you don't have the right ticket, this adventure, this traveling adventure, it becomes a little wonky. 
You need a ticket, but you also need the right ticket. You need the correct ticket. I'll never forget being in uh, South Asia, needing to catch a plane that we booked. Uh, but we did not yet have a bus ticket to get us to the airport. Uh, those were booked on site. That's just the way it worked. So yes, I was extremely nervous about buying a ticket to get on the right bus to make it into the right airport to then make it home. Y'all, it was like the scene there, it was dark, uh, just buses everywhere. I, I didn't know the language. I couldn't speak to anybody other than the guy that was with me and a couple other guys. They had some chai tea that would try to it was helpful at times. It tasted good, but y'all, I was a nervous wreck, okay? The last thing I wanted to do was to get put on a 10-hour bus ride in a place where I didn't know the language and couldn't speak and miss the plane that only flew out like twice a week. You know, I was, I was like very, very nervous, but thankfully, I had a friend who knew the language, and he bought my ticket to get me on the right bus, But you better believe I asked him about 50 times before getting on that bus. Are you sure this is the right bus? Like, are you 100% sure this is the right bus? And he assured me every time, yes, this is the right bus. But you know what put me at ease? Uh, Even more with my ticket in hand? When I saw other people with airport luggage getting on my bus... And I could kind of make the airplane gesture, you know, to these 10 other people and kind of see their uh, airplane ticket. They gave, you know, see their airport code. They gave me the thumbs up. You know, we're doing the whole sign language gig. <laughs> they showed me their air tour, you know, and it, like, the, for the, I, got on that, I got on that bus for the next 10 hours. I didn't sleep a wink, but we made it to the airport. But what I want to point out is that their luggage and their thumbs up, all those kind of confirmations that I had that kind of somewhat put me at ease, Uh, Those didn't get me the right ticket, but it did confirm for me that I was on the right bus. And so, Christian, hear me today. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as shown in God's word, you have the ticket. Like you're holding the ticket. You have hope today. Like you have the ticket to heaven. You're on the path to heaven. And if you have the right ticket, that can't be taken from you. Listen, if you have Christ in in, in you, you have hope. If Christ is in you and you have the ticket, you have a reason to rejoice today because God has you on a journey with heaven as your final destination. You're on the journey to heaven. You're on an exhilarating and hard and life-giving ride to heaven. So let me ask you, do you have the ticket to heaven? Are you on the ride towards heaven? Are you on heaven's journey? Have you trusted that Jesus is God? I mean, if you were to die tonight, are you sure of your salvation? Are you confident that you have the right ticket, that you're on the right bus? Or would you die in your sins facing your judge? Which journey are you on? Look at verse 26, showing more of the same thing. Jesus says, I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do things that are pleasing to him. As he he was saying these things, many believed in him. Jesus was reiterating that when he was lifted up, meaning lifted up on the cross, 
they will know that he, he was the great I am, that he is the eternal God. Again, Jesus came down from heaven to go to the cross to rescue his people from their sins so that his people can join him forever in heaven. The journey Jesus took was from heaven to earth to die on the cross in our place so that we can follow his journey back to heaven with the cross. We can, we can take heart today because before Jesus brings us on the journey to heaven, he first paved the way for himself, which included the bloody cross, which should tell us that heaven's journey won't be easy and it will come with a bloody cross. But church, we can trust that there is resurrection after the crucifying cross. The journey to heaven goes through a bloody cross, but is followed with the joy of the resurrection. Hear that today. Like the cross you bear in this life as a Christian is promised to be followed with the resurrecting hope. Because you're on the right bus that is journeying towards heaven. And as we keep going through this text, we'll see two things that our tickets to heaven give us today. Two things that show and prove we have the right ticket. Kind of like that luggage and those thumbs up assured me I was on the right bus. These things don't give us the right ticket. They're just evidence that we have the right bus. And we're, we're on the right bus journeying towards heaven. Look at these next two verses. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Those who believed in Jesus, those who have the ticket to heaven, what do they do? They abide in Jesus' words. They listen and obey Jesus' words. Again, this doesn't get us the ticket. It's simply the proof that we're on the right bus. Heaven's journey is a journey of faith. It's something we can't always see. We don't always see what's ahead of us. But yet the one thing God gave us to see and know and to be sure of on heaven's journey is the word. It's our Bible. God's word to us is his gift to us on heaven's journey. Look at the second half of verse 31 again. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. That word abide means to remain. Like There's a staying in Jesus' words. Those who have the right ticket stay close to to the word of God. They listen to it. They obey it. We're shaped by it. It's like water and food for our souls. It's our food and it's our nourishment for heaven's journey. When Jesus came down to earth and left back for heaven, he left his people with his word to satisfy his people, to sustain us, to nourish us. God's word sustains us in our life. It's evidence that we're on the right bus, which leads us to number two. Jesus came to bring his word. Those who live for another world, those who live for heaven, live by words and instructions from heaven. New City, I can't emphasize this enough. Regularly and daily, being in God's word, slowly, in an unhurried way, it keeps our hearts directed towards heaven. It keeps our souls from taking a wrong turn. It keeps our lives from drifting with the current of the sin in our world. Being in God's word reassures us that we're on the right bus. It calms our heart. It nourishes us. It sustains us. You know, everything in this world that is not from heaven will steer us away from heaven's journey. They will cause us to forget that we're our final destination and why we're on the bus. 
But by God's grace, he has left us with a tool and instructions and his voice to speak to us and direct us, to remind us that we're on the bus and to not lose sight of why we're on the bus. If we're not regularly and daily reading and studying and meditating and praying through Scripture, there's no doubt about it, we'll lose focus. We'll get distracted, take wrong turns, forget what we're doing, forget why we're on this earth. You know what I also know? It's also easy to read our Bibles every day and still also lose focus and forget why we're on the bus. That's why we not only read God's Word, but we meditate on it and memorize it and journal about it and pray about it and also do this in community with others. Because if we're apathetic and struggling and panicked about our bus ride, we desperately need each other. We desperately need the church to speak God's Word to us. We have to speak it to each other and remind each other why we're on the bus. God designed the church to spur one another on. Abiding in God's word is both an individual process and it's both individual and collective. The more people we have around us, the better off we'll be. Y'all, this is why our discipleship groups that we have with three to five people, this is why they're so important. Because we need accountability and encouragement to regularly be in God's word. This is food from heaven. We are so desperate for God's word in our life on, on this journey towards heaven. If we're not being sustained daily by God's word, we're going to be sustained by something else that wasn't designed to sustain us on a journey that comes with a cross to bear. Listen, the journey to heaven that is dependent on faith, that can't see what's ahead and is filled with pain and hardship and trial and an enemy that seeks to kill and instill and, and lies and fear and doubt into our hearts and souls, it can't and won't be sustained by the food of career success or the allurement of sex or the praise of people or anything else under the sun that is nothing but cotton candy for our starving souls. Y'all, this is the drum I'm going to beat as often and as regularly as I can this year because, y'all, we are in a cosmic spiritual world, world a war seeking to push back darkness, trying to get as many people on the bus towards heaven as possible. And the only battle food that will sustain us on this journey, God has put on us. It is the word of God. New City, if we are journeying towards heaven, we need heaven's food to sustain us, keep us, nourish us, and nothing else. So let me ask, what food are you eating on this journey to heaven? Because we need God's word. Let's keep moving. Number one, Jesus came to save us from our sin. Number two, Jesus came to bring us his word. And let's finish our text to get us our last point. Look starting in verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are my offspring of Abraham. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak out of what I have seen with my father, and you do, not, and you do what you have heard from your father. Jesus said, the truth will set them free. Believing in Jesus' words would set them free. Believing that Jesus was God would free them. But they didn't see it. They didn't get it. 
They deferred to their family lineage, their status, their background, thinking it would free them. But Jesus reminded them, no, their sin enslaves them. But Jesus tells them they don't have to be enslaved by their sin. No, they are free. They can be free, which leads us to our last point. Number three, Jesus came to set us free. Yes, Jesus came to save us from sin, to rescue us so we're no longer stained and guilty and can enter into heaven. But I want you to notice, Jesus doesn't want to only excuse the sin. Jesus wants the sin to not rule us. Because as we see in our passage, sin is enslaving. We can become a slave to sin. Our sin, all of it, whatever it is, anger, people-pleasing, addiction, materialism, laziness, fill in the blank, we all have it. But whatever it is, it can rule us and keep us captive. It's one thing to be found not guilty of sin, but it's an entirely different thing to not be ruled by sin. And let me tell you, Jesus went to the cross for both. We often get that Jesus died on the cross to clean us of sin. But what I want us to remember today is that at the cross, Jesus died to give us the power to fight sin and not be ruled by it. Y'all, if we have given our life to Christ, we're not on the bus leading to hell. No, we're on the bus leading to heaven. And on the bus to heaven is the power and freedom and grace that unleashes us to be freed from the power of sin in our life. Because we all know it's still there. We, we each still sin. But on the bus to heaven, God empowers us to sin less and less and in turn become more like Jesus. This is evidence in our life that we're on the right bus. Because when we're on the bus to heaven, journeying towards heaven, God grows us and empowers us and convicts us and changes us. We can know we're on the right bus, journeying towards heaven, when our desires and passions begin to change. God takes away our worldly loves and he gives us heavenly ones. When we're going towards heaven, God sometimes quickly and many times slowly shows us our sin and convicts us with his spirit because when we're on the right bus, you realize that on that bus, you're no longer enslaved to sin, but rather you've been set free from it. Because on the bus to heaven, Christian, get this, we win. (laughs) The victory over our sin has already been won. Jesus sealed that for us at the cross. And when we fail and fall short and sin yet again, God says to us, hey, get back up. Keep fighting. I am changing you. I'm growing you because guess what? You're on the bus. We win. Get up. Keep going. Keep running. Don't stop. Don't look back because I'm making you into a new creation that will be totally realized and fully seen when the journey ends. The pain you see today will be full healing in the end. The setback you see right now will be a part of the victory in the end. The struggle and sin and rebellious heart that you see but seems to slow, uh, be, seems slow to change, God sees it and guess what? He is fighting for you and says, hey, guess what? We will win. He's not doing it in your strength. No, he's doing it totally in his strength. Christian, in Christ, you are set free to run the race of heaven's journey. If you are on the bus, if you're on the right bus, it is going towards heaven. Victory and freedom is the guarantee in the end. New City, as the old hymn reminds us, this world is not our home. We're just a passing through it. I want to close with this. You know, as, as many of you know, 
or may have noticed, maybe you didn't, our worship uh, leader, Evan, um, isn't leading today because his grandfather passed away last week and he's at a funeral in Georgia with his family this weekend. But, but something interesting about Evan's grandfather is that he was a missionary in Liberia, West Africa, off and on for about 20 years. Uh, they were planting churches, started a seminary. He spent his life fully realizing why he was here and where he was going. He was on the bus to heaven, labored to see people in Liberia get on the bus with him and join him in heaven. And as a follower of Christ, knowing that, we can be confident that he's there in heaven uh, meeting all those in Liberia that, he'll li- that he likely never knew he impacted while on this earth. While also maybe being reunited with uh, those he knew. But something kind of interesting for us here in this room, you know, something happened last weekend during our service that I, I was able to witness that seemed pretty special because uh, while Evan was playing and leading in our service, and I had asked him about this, uh, maybe you noticed it, maybe you didn't, but I noticed it because I was about three feet from him. But as he was singing, knowing of his grandfather's death, Evan was moved to tears and wasn't able to sing. And we as a church were able to keep singing and worshiping together while he was moved to tears because his grandfather greatly impacted him. He modeled for Evan what it looks like to live for another world. And the lyrics that Evan got caught up on last weekend were, On the day you call me home, to heaven's sweet embrace, I'll see your scars, your open arms, and the beauty of your face. Through tears of joy, I'll lift my voice to everlasting praise. Hallelujah, Christ is risen from the grave. His grandfather finished the journey to heaven, and right now he's living in the presence of God. He finished the race. And each of us here today will one day finish this journey of life. Are we on the right bus? Y'all, we've got one life to live. Let's make it count. May we focus our hearts and lives on the things that last forever. May we as a church, may we live for the city that is to come. This world is not our home. Our hope is in heaven. He's given us his word. He has set us free. And so let me ask again today, are you on the right bus? Like, do you have the ticket to heaven? If not, I pray that you would trust in Jesus today and grab the ticket that was purchased at the cross for you. Let's pray. God, we, we're not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. Those who claim, proclaim Christ, God, we, we pray that we would live with heaven in mind, knowing that the end is coming. Father, we pray that we would live this life running towards heaven and trying to get as many people on the bus that we can possibly get in this life. God, you've got a hope and a promise for us. God, you're changing us on the way. Father, yes, this world is hard. There's struggles, there's difficulty, but God, we have hope for a future and a promise that there will be no more crying, no more tears, and no more pain. Father, we long for that day. We ask it for all in Jesus' name, amen.